0: Hello, I'm James Bull and welcome to a very special September 2016 social care campaign edition of Organising to Win, the trade union podcast from Unison Northwest. Providing care to the most vulnerable in our community to help people live fulfilling, independent lives is vital work, and over 200,000 workers are involved in the provision of home care across the North West of England. But huge cuts to social care budgets, coupled with the outsourcing and privatisation of home care services to companies that are operating for profit, has often led to low standards and poor treatment of the staff who dedicate their lives to working in that sector, often working for long hours and for low pay. But we've put together this special edition for a very important campaign that we're running across the northwest of England to address those issues head-on and organise home care workers to stand together to improve the services that they provide and demand that they're treated fairly. It's not just an issue in the northwest though, and that's why Unison has launched a nationwide ethical care charter to call for better standards in social care and better treatment of those who provide it. Kevin Lucas spoke to Unison's Matthew Egan and asked him to explain a little more about the Ethical Care Charter and Unison's
1: campaign. Yeah, sure. So the Ethical Care Charter campaign has been running for about probably just a little over four years now. So the, in a nutshell, the campaign is about trying to improve home care standards, but by making explicit that link between the provision of good quality care can only happen when you have good uh, treatment of the workforce. So they need to improve the terms and conditions of home care workers in order for them to then be able to go on and deliver good and dignified levels of care to elderly and disabled people in their, in their own homes. So it's a, the charter is a, a list of sort of relatively modest standards that um, home care workers themselves, our members identified as being things that they needed to have made better in, in their working lives in order for them to to do their job better. So for instance, some of the elements within the charter include um, no, no more 15 minute visits for for personal care, which sadly is a major problem in the home care sector. Ensuring that care workers are paid for the travel time between visits, because I get a lot of them aren't paid for that and it means that a huge amount of them aren't even paid the national minimum wage. Um, it ensures that home care workers are actually offered um, guaranteed hour contracts because the vast majority of home care workers, unfortunately, are employed on zero hours contracts, which obviously makes it difficult for them to budget and sort of live their lives as as in a sort of dignified way. But it also has an impact on the sort of quality uh, continuity of care because if a care worker doesn't know how many hours they're going to be working from one week to the next, chances are they're not actually going to be caring for the same elderly or disabled people, which is not something that is appreciated. There's always there's also um, elements around ensuring that home care workers pay for uh, the sick pay. Um, also things like that they actually paid the real um, living wage. The living wage foundation, living wage. So it's very much uh, a campaign that has that has tried to appeal to um, service users as much as it as it's appealed directly to the care work workers themselves. So we've had about. Um, I think we've had about nineteen councils have adopted it. So it's been a bit of a slow burner of a of a campaign which is maybe it's that like that with a lot of sort of unison cameras. It takes a while to get people to become more aware of it and then to actually take it to take it up themselves. Cause I think as a campaign it's got um we are in a quite an unusual position whereby this is a public campaign that has attracted a lot of sport from quite unusual quarters. So for instance Take two newspapers like the Daily Mail and the Daily Telegraph. They've both got their own sort of own individual dignity for the elderly campaigns going on, and within that, they're both called they both call for improved treatment of the care workforce, and they've positively covered some of our campaigning work in the past. So we, there is unusual sort of alliances forming around the need for greater social um, care services and the need to treat care workers better, which hopefully we can build up upon in the future, because if you take a step back, we're a increasingly aging society. People's need for the home care services and residential care services are getting more, um, the level of need is, is getting increased. And I think we've got a key role in trying to inform um, what approach we want to take as a society to how we treat elderly people and how we treat the people who actually uh, care for them. In, in their own homes and in residential care settings. So yeah, it's been a it's been a good campaign in some respects. I think we've had problems in that we've not recruited as many home care workers off the back of it as we should have done. That um sometimes it has been a bit of a top down approach whereby there's a force of opportunity with the sort of leader of a council and some unison officials and then everyone, the care workers in that area benefit. But then If they're not becoming a member of Unison, then I think we're only papering over the cracks. To get sort of fundamental improvements in the care sector, we desperately need to recruit and organise this group of workers, because otherwise the fundamental problems that exist in the sector just aren't going to be addressed. And of course, that's what our campaign here in the North West is all about. It's about building that real power. And strength in in the workplaces of social care workers so they can make real credible and powerful demands of the commissioners and, and the politicians but but um we as a union we've shone a real spotlight haven't we on on the poor terms and conditions of social work uh um social care staff in recent weeks um particularly in, in regards to the recent claim against Severcare care and the 17 Harrogate Unison members Do you want to tell us about that a little bit yeah so this is yeah we've managed to generate a lot of um, positive media coverage for the unison but also drawing attention to the fact that a lot of care workers are, are treated um, horrendously so it's it should be um, a matter of course all care workers are paid for the travel time between visits and that if they have to work as living care workers that they're paid for all the time they actually spend in a care user's house so in the in this case of severe we have 17 Members at a North London council in Herring, who were employed by Severcare, one of the largest um, private home care providers. So, these care workers weren't being paid for the travel time that they were spending going from house to house, um, even though that could add up to around as much as seven hours a day. So, you work care workers who were working for 14 hours but only actually getting paid for seven hours. So, some of their um, pay rates were as little as £3.85 an hour. And also with the living care workers some of them were getting paid as little as £3.27 an hour so they actually published it on the pay slips the company which is quite unusual and um, something we never actually come across before so it's quite brazen in that respect from the care company but again it, sh- it shines a light on the fact that a lot of care workers are unaware of the rights that they should be paid for the travel time or that they should be paid for all the time they work as living care workers but also all these care workers were employed on zero hours contracts, so a lot of them were the ones who knew that what was going on wasn't right. Were pretty scared and quite reluctant to actually put, uh, put their head above the parapet. So it was only the fact that we that the local branch and the organisers involved actually managed to pull these workers together, get them in the same room together, and actually embolden them, embolden them, and sort of gave them the confidence that the Unison was going to be backing them all the way. It was that was the only way we actually got managed to take forward this case so we hope that all the media coverage we've attracted by submitting an employment tribunal claim against um Severcare and all the subsequent um, companies that they were tuped ch- uh, across to because they pulled out of the the contract we hope it will enable um care workers across the country to join unison take on similar claims and not just tackle the minimum wage issue because um even though that is a huge issue, there's around 200,000 care workers who aren't being paid the national minimum and national living wage out there. The problems in the care sector go way beyond this issue, but we hope that it can just be sort of a rallying cry for all the care workers out there, and just just let them know that if you want to change things, if you want to change things for you, if you want to change things for the people you're caring for, then you need to be. A member of Unison and and get involved in sorting this out.
0: So what about our campaign in the north-west of England? Well, Kevin Lucas spoke to Paula Barker, regional convener of Unison North-West, about the importance of addressing the issues in social care and how our region intends to do it.
2: Kevin, over the last few years we've seen this um, central government attacking the most vulnerable people in our society and also attacking our public services and as a result of this we've seen lots of local authorities um, who have outsourced social care and as a result um, our members and potential future members are being exploited. The uh, care industry is serviced by predominantly low-paid women workers, and these companies literally make millions of pounds of profits each year, often not paying tax. And um, we have to stop this exploitation, really. They service the most vulnerable people in our society. They're entitled to dignity and respect. The uh, workers who provide this vital care go out They're often on zero-hour contracts, they're not being paid for travel time, they're not being paid for sleep-ins, they're not being paid the right amount for their annual leave entitlement. This is something that is an absolute shambles, and it's shameful that we live in a society that doesn't want to look after the most vulnerable in our society, and particularly those people who provide the services that the most vulnerable people rely on so much.
0: The nature of how home carers work means they're often working alone, moving from place to place throughout the day in order to meet the needs of multiple people in the community. And that's why Unison has set up supermarket drop-in surgeries for workers concerned about the way that their employers are treating them, to come and speak to other union members, reps and union organisers about how they can stand together to protect their rights and win fair and decent conditions, and most importantly, to improve social care. John Sharp and Anne Kerrigan from Unison Northwest spoke to a few of them about the campaign and their experience as home carers.
3: We're here today, Friday, doing our regular two-weekly meetings, come here in Morrison's Cafe to meet with me. staff working predominantly for as, although it's been available for anybody who was free to come in and have a chat with us. So, both me and Anne have been coming here, kind of representing Unison as part of this project. But we think part of the reason why it's gone so well is being able to come out and do, to come out here where you're actually able to actually have a break and have a chat. I don't think it would work in any other way. I mean, do you think it's worked for you to, for us to, you know, for us working in this way?
4: Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think we've
0: been very lucky though, because one of the reasons why it's worked so well is because we've had people who passed the message on and got people involved and we've been more successful than other areas because of that because, mm. because we, we know that everyone's now spreading the word but we've had a couple, I think one especially, leaders who've really got involved in that mm. What do you think? Well, I think it's brilliant
4: that we can come here and have a coffee and, and chat and if we have any, any problems that, you know, you're here to back us up and help us out through the, yeah. through this period that we're going through now because we'd be lost if you weren't here because we haven't got back up. Yeah, yeah. And
3: I think as well as you've come and had a chat with us, other people have come along because you've had, you've spoken to them as you've gone back. So it's yeah. like the, the, the news Sporting has spread, out, really, hasn't it, isn't word of right? mouth. We can't yeah.
2: speak openly
4: only when we come to these meetings, right? right. Yeah. Because we don't have time to get together anyway. As as a team, we're always busy. You know, we're, we're always working really all the time. You know, so we yeah. don't see each other.
3: And it's been like so. It's been an opportunity to talk about other things as well, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean.
0: Thank you. Yeah.
2: So when you are here, what kind of issues have you found it most useful to discuss while you're here in the cafe? All sides really, I feel like the, what
4: we've
3: both, the, no, it's the okay. fan sheets yeah. about them and then issues that we've all
2: got that we can't go to the office. Yeah. They're
0: the main yeah.
3: ones really. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's having that trust part of it, isn't it? To know that you can actually talk freely. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, amongst, because, like you say, I bet the opportunities for you to actually get together as a group don't come along that often, do they? No, they never, no. Know. no.
0: How, do, how do you think your clients would be without you?
4: <laughs> well, obviously they would have other carers, but they wouldn't have carers that look after them as best as we do because we know them so long.
3: Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So yeah. they would be a bit lost so they're, they're actually happy now that they know that it's we're staying in, in situ with the changeover they're going the care is not going to change for them hopefully not anyway that's what they're telling us
2: but
4: the, the job that you do I mean you know it's important but is, why did you decide to do it why did you start to become carers because I'm a caring person so and it's it's been in my nature from from a child really you know, it's inbred it's I mean, you know, in me to care. We used
2: to get patch meetings at
4: work, but nobody would speak out because we were scared. The management's been there, so we didn't really No No, nobody would, nobody would talk. Nobody would no. talk no. like yeah.
2: yeah. patch yeah. Nobody, Like we were
4: dominated, no, we were told, and that was it. Back. Nobody spoke back because...
2: Nothing <laughs> was solved, ever.
3: You just a waste of time. No. And money. But these are kind of these management exercises where then they can say, we can tick the box and yeah. say, yes, that's we have that it is. meeting. Yeah,
5: definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's i long time.
0: If you could change a couple of things about what you
4: do, what would it be? More money. More money. Communication. Yeah. Um, management. Be. Uni- better uniforms. Um, yeah. I, mean, I find in summer you're absolutely melting in these uniforms, and you can't take them off because you you know you just you just can't. Um...
3: I think some empathy would go a long way as well. We think that you're caring after some of the most vulnerable people in society, and yet you're not being treated well yourself.
4: Well, exactly. Yeah. When the times are cut down to fifteen minutes and a service user said to me, well, you haven't got time to chat anymore. So I told the member of management that she said, me, she turned around to me and said, you're not there to
2: chat. No. So not fair. Because those
0: no. people probably rely on you yeah. uh, to be part of their day and make it better for them.
2: And it's the only person they say, you're there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They don't
3: see it. A lot of them don't see
2: anybody else. Yeah.
4: They look forward to the carer
2: going
4: in, you know.
3: There's Sarah. Well, I think it's been really good that we've been able to have these meetings and that people have felt happy to come to them. Yeah, I look forward to it. um, And I think it's gone really well. And I'm glad that people are still prepared to come and, you know, to
4: visit. We're happy that we've got the backup Mm. from the union. And we think it's brilliant.
3: Right. Thank you very much.
4: Yeah, thank you.
0: Now, to help Unison Northwest build this campaign, we've had the help of Valerie Alsager. Valerie is a trade union organizer and immigration rights activist from Mexico. And as lead organizer with the American Union called the SEIU, Valerie played a key role in delivering the Justice for Janitors campaign, which successfully recruited, organised and delivered huge wins for over 200,000 cleaning workers right across the United States. Since then, Valerie's work for the global union organisation Change to Win, helping unions develop the strategies and skills to build real power in workplaces and beyond. We're pleased to say that Valerie's now working with Unison's strategic organizing unit and we're delighted to have Valerie supporting Unison Northwest in developing the strategy for this ambitious campaign. Kevin Lucas had a chat with her.
5: So thank you for inviting me to contribute to this podcast. Um, I guess what really makes me excited about um, sharing the knowledge of a lot of workers you know that have actually campaigned and organized and built alliances to win to really uh, like in a very measured way um achieve improvements in whole sectors right is that we are standing on their shoulders right on all these experiences on all these errors on all these victories and on all that knowledge and i think um, what's very important about what we're about to do is that, first of all, these, uh, these workers are like kind of an essential part of our society in a way that not many people appreciate. Mm-hmm. And I think our campaign is going to be able to really be a vehicle for that elevation, for that understanding to be done, right? right? Both for the workers to get their back up and understand the value that they bring and who they are, because in a lot of ways... When workers don't hear that they're valued, when workers don't see the remuneration or the respect or the families supporting them, then they feel invisible and unappreciated. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, this campaign is about really valuing that effective labor, that work that elevates all of us right? and the kind of society we want to be. So I think that campaign is going to be transformative in that sense. Having workers feel strong and valued and collectively raising standards for their patients is gonna be like a potent, potent voice. And so doing that in a social unionism model, which would be a way to not just do it as workers in a union, but doing as a social movement in which labor is a central part of it, but as far as it can really raise the standards of the quality care, both for their clients the families and the workers themselves and so this collective aspiration is what we're tr- going to try to build in this campaign. Um, how are we going to do that? It's really by hopefully doing the mapping and understanding how workers live and are organized already and how we can use those spaces in their lives like their churches or their you know social environments and their you know, even their football of how do we involve all that all that kind of like uh, network, you know, in, in a common share value, which is about really taking care of our elderly and our most vulnerable in a way. And how they should be central to this campaign. So a lot of the work and the strategies we have to think through is how how we can ask families and clients to be involved, right? And that will probably mean that we have to work with other players in the society is gonna to have to be about working with their churches and working with client advocate groups and working with students that care about social justice and working with elderly organizations that are and care about their, their conditions as they get older, right? I mean, if we have these organizations collectively campaigning with us, then it is not just a union fight or something like that. It's actually a campaign to elevate the value of both the people that we're trying to kind of take care of with dignity, as well as with the workers that have to deliver that. Mm. Um, and as we look at cuts, and as we have been very defensive, both as a union as well, you know, and as a union made of workers that have to really get organized and get a voice, but also as clients that are getting less care, then what we're really trying to do is do an offensive campaign. We're not just, interested in holding the cuts. We're interested in refunding something. So what does that mean? Well, it means also that we have to be very, very well-educated about what kind of funding sources we're gonna have to trigger politically. Why? Because public sector has been defunded for the past decades through a trickle-down economics that is not really trickling down. Mm -hmm. So there is like five ways in which defunding has happened, right, like regressive taxation on the wealthy, Regressive tax section on corporations, meaning they're not paying their fair share, uh, offshoring, which we know with the Panama can, uh, mm. Papers and so on. I mean, there is a huge amount of money that we produce as a society, as consumers, and that these corporations and these wealthy individuals use, right? Because they use our market, they use us as consumers, they use the infrastructure of the city Mm -hmm. to make profits, and then they don't put it back, they put it away. So that's a huge problem, um, as well as other kinds of debt, personal debt, as well as other types of public debt, right? And so, you know, if we as a community and as workers understand where the defunding has been happening and the fact that it's not just government the problem. I mean, in a way, government is outsourcing because it's totally strapped for cash. We are going to politically need to build a movement that goes from being defensive, don't cut, to where is the money coming from? Where can we get... Progressive taxation and the wealthy paying their fair share so we can refund the things that really make sense in our society, right? I think public opinion is already on the side of these clients, the elderly, the vulnerable, and the workers. I really do. I just think how do we make the narrative that the solution is not just about the government giving more, where the government really is getting defunded, right? Mm -hmm. But how do we refund it? How do we realign our taxation situation so not like the poor and the middle class keep paying more but actually the ones that are extracting value right out of this this work out of this infrastructure out of this care who's making profit out of this whole thing needs to put it right back and privatization is obviously one of the other ways in which the defunding happens right and so for us to take tackle how privatization should have standards and how we need to kind of rethink about that funding, I think, becomes fundamental in our campaign. So there's a lot of economics to understand, a lot of strategies to collectively own and bargaining together between unions and the community and the clients and their families and having a, a bargaining strategy that is collective, that is not just about one thing, but it is about the whole. Right? I think it's 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 our t- it's 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 our challenge. Um, although obviously we want employers to be socially responsible and work with us, right? And actually do the right thing. I do think that most employers wanna do the right thing. They're just competing with each other in a fierce, 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 fierce market competition that needs a floor. And so how do we help build that floor as workers? How Mm -hmm. do we, uh, you know, help build that floor for the clients and their families? How do we do it collectively and say, fine, you're privatized. We understand that has been something that happened, but within this, we want a floor that gives us dignity, respect, good working conditions, and the time we need to get cared. And hopefully, that is the campaign we're building. And I'm excited to do it with, you know, in in a space where unions were born. I mean, I think it's a it's a refreshing thought about how do we retool for for this future.
0: Well, that's the end of this episode of uh, Organizing to Win. But as ever, we'll be back again next month and we've got lots of resources relating to the social care campaign that are available through our website. If you visit us at unisonnw.org or www.unisonnw.org forward slash podcast, you can access all of those, including uh, or uh, as well as some uh, links to previous episodes and resources associated with those too. If you want to get in touch with us, then feel free to... uh, Contact us via the website or drop me an email at j.bull at unison.co.uk. But in the meantime, uh, thanks very much for listening.